Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I'm losing to a baby. A baby? We gave our friends baby like random toys assigned to random teams. And through the first game, I didn't check to see where she was at last night. Through the first game, this 10 to 11 month old infant was six for eight. And we were all two for eight. Wow. I was 0 for 4 after Monday. Yeah, you were 2 for 8 after Tuesday. Hell yeah. Losing to a baby. To be fair, Wednesday night uh, was the redemption tour. It was, yeah. 3 for 4. Much better. The, the, the universe was a little bit more aligned in terms of what was happening in hockey. But when I saw the Washington over Florida the first one, I went, oh, God. Here we go. Yeah. This is exactly why. I was talking to Mel about it, and she was like, Are those, is that your pick? had my bracket up i was like yeah she goes oh like uh do you think you're gonna win i was like absolutely not mm-hmm. no the only thing i can get bet against me i guarantee you, you'll win there's no way she's like you, you think calgary's gonna win the cup I was like, nope she's like why do you pick them i think they're gonna win in the cup <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's all an exercise in how this is all stupid and everyone's just guessing so steve eisman knew exactly what he was doing when he opened that presser apologizing for being late because he had some phone calls he had to wrap up right Mm -hmm. because it means it means zero it means absolutely nothing the phone calls could have been to his dentist that he's had to rebook twice it was a thousand percent his wife but not one person thought it was his wife but he was saying (laughs) he was thinking oh man this is going to be funny they're going to tweet about this how stupid they're all so dumb and we are steve eisman working the phones already big off season ahead (laughs) Eisman, do we want shawarma or pizza tonight? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, we are one episode removed from the big Jeff Blaschel has been let go from the Detroit Red Wings news. I feel like Red Wings fans have just been decompressing after the best season of the rebuild so far. You know, that might be true. I have a hard time assigning the word best to a lot of what happened this year, but definitely the most eventful season. Definitely the shiniest turd. (laughs) <laughs> thank you thank you brad the poet there's there was nothing there's been nothing poetic about this rebuild so far there's uh yeah there's some tragic poetry out there very, uh, well if you're going for like the the tragedies okay we get where this is more this has been more like edgar Allan poe kind of poetry rather than anything else as evan makes a <laughs> disdainful groan <laughs> you're the poetry expert here yeah expert yes definitely off the raven anyways Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast, not to talk to you about literature, but rather the Detroit Red Wings, the world of uh, hockey, the playoffs, and an inevitable argument between us about reviews in the playoffs. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. Settle down, Windsor boy. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Uh, before we jump into the po- actually, why don't I tell you what we're going to talk about today? Uh, Eisman's press conference where he wrapped up the news about Jeff Blaschel being let go gave us... An Eisman level of insight into what he's looking for with the next head coach, um, some ideas about what's going to happen in free agency, and pretty much the rest of the exercise known as bleeding a rock, which is um, uh, trying to glean any information from Steve Eisman. We'll be talking about some updates from the Red Wings um, as they did their postseason or end of season availability, and then we'll be talking about uh, the playoffs and everything else that comes up. Before that, Two quick updates. First of all, the total, the running total so far 
as we're tallying up the donations from the Wings Money on the Board season season long campaign, twenty eight thousand dollars. That is crazy. <laughs> wow. We were talking to Prashanth and we were like, oh, we're so excited. And next season we're going to do better. Why don't we aim for $30,000 next season? And here you guys are at 28000 and still counting. A lot of those pledges were based on the Calder Trophy. A lot of those pledges were based on the draft lottery. A lot of those pledges are still people. Well, all those draft lottery payments aren't coming. No, there have been people to say when we inevitably stay or move down. Okay. Yeah. And there's a lot coming through. Exactly. And there's some people who've just said, who said, yeah, I'm going to get to 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 cash in that donation uh, later this week. So they're still coming in. Thank you all so much. If you need help calculating, someone had an actual formula. It was like reading the quadratic equation. They're like N equals number of Bertuzzi. What a nerd. I know. But it, hey, it was a big donation. So thank you to that person. Uh, so $28,000 and counting to the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Also, speaking of raising some money for the Jamie Daniels Foundation, and speaking of things that uh, are by popular request, I don't know, that was, a, that was a contrived segue. The flannels, the Winged Wheel podcast, Mickey Redmond style flannels have been ordered. They're in production. Stay tuned. Details on how to get yours. It's going to be a limited run to start, so you'll have to act fast. Details are coming shortly, so... Thank you all so much for expressing your interest. We weren't sure if people were going to want them. And then I was like that uh, that video of the kid doing a presentation and every kid in the class threw his uh, their backpack at him. <laughs> that was us asking if anyone wants a flannel. All right. The press conference, the end of season press conference, aside from uh, Steve Eisenman opening up. Are you good? I had a caffeinated bubbly, not more than an hour ago you were at five yawns and we are it's probably because it's hotter than africa in here oh gosh. how do you have a sweater on i warmed it up because brad said he was cold last time oh my god <laughs> even folks in a senior citizen home would think it's hot in here i'm, I'm you're a folk in a senior citizen home right now i am yeah sorry buddy this is oh. like the second circle of hell in here anyhow uh, the end of season press conference opened up and Steve Eisenman, aside from his witty remark about, well, uh, about uh, being on a phone call, basically outlined why he made the decision from, from uh, to move on from Jeff Blaschel. And he was pretty frank and not in a disrespectful way, but he didn't try to mince words or bury it. He just felt like the team on and off the puck was regressing again. That's essentially what he said. He felt that the progress that they were making kind of went away and and their play wasn't coming together. And he acknowledged that there were personnel issues, i.e. the defense sucks, the players the Red Wings have suck, but he also feels like there's more that could have been done in terms of team defense and in terms of individual improvement of players. So you can tell he didn't take the decision lightly and it was a confirmation of what the obvious was. Everything we saw from January onwards was the reasoning. Yeah, he he parroted everything any Red Wing fan with common sense has been saying all year. Truthfully, he even went so far as to reference the schedule as like, yeah, we had a very strong start to the season against a very easy schedule, and then we were getting killed by good teams at the end of the season. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing, but Mm -hmm. essentially what he said, and none of that should come as a surprise to anybody who's watched as many as five games this year spread out over this season. And like, you know, you have the easy schedule, bad personnel, you see the lack of progression from certain players that we've talked about to death. You saw the absolute regression, especially of the team defense and the special teams as the season wore on. 
I'm surprised Eisenman actually said it so plainly. That was that was both the only surprising thing about what he said was that he actually said it. Yeah. He and he did look, he did say later on he should have opened with this, but he called out specifically, and I think this is what made it a tough decision. He called out specifically the good things about Jeff Blashill. And he said, you know, Jeff and did a good job of keeping what was a situation that could have been really bad. He kept it from being a complete shit show. And those are Eisman's words. And he did, he, did he though? He used the S word, yeah. Did he though? Well, he talked about <laughs> he, he he said you can't he says you can't judge Jeff Blashill on his record. And he was talking about that within the scope of what he was doing for the program. Like keeping things structured, keeping things in line, keeping it from being a complete mess. Look at Winnipeg. Look at Winnipeg. Look at Ottawa. Look at what's happened in Vancouver. Yes, I am just naming Canadian teams. Yes, Canadian teams in the NHL are like the soap operas of hockey. No, remember the ads. The NHL doesn't have soap operas. It's just hockey. No soap operas, right? It's a lot of what's happened in that back end. It very well could have happened to Detroit. But Steve Eisman credits Jeff Blaschel and his staff for what they did. And, And that has been said ad nauseum. Before Jeff Blatchel got fired, it's been said by the players. It's been said by Eisman, you know, in seasons where he had just extended Jeff Blatchel. And that wasn't a surprise either. And again, like you said, Brad, any fan who's been tuning in or, or has paid attention knows that's why Eisman has had. It wasn't his favorite decision in the world. And you can tell. So I think. I think there's a lot when when Steve Eisman speaks, he said it himself. Don't take. Don't listen to what I say. Like, don't try to interpret what I say. I, I'm not going to tell you much. And even later on. Don't in, tell me my what to do. <laughs> even later on in his press conference, he says in the middle of an answer, he said, I'm trying to say as much as possible without while actually saying nothing. If you haven't figured that out by now. Like, those are his words. <laughs> I love this man. He, he, he should go into politics. <laughs> he might be too no, good No, because he it. actually delivers on things he promises. So far. So far. So far. We'll see. Um, there's there's not a lot that you can glean in terms of like big grand plans, but something that he said plainly the entire time that I think we sometimes get away from is he is genuinely just trying to make this team better in some way every year. All the time he's looking at moves to make things better. He's not, it's easy to kind of map things out and say, all right, you're going to suck, 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 suck. And then after this point, when you get this, (laughs) you are, (laughs) Oh, that's going to be a clip. At, and at this point is when you pull the trigger and all of a sudden we're going to be good. A, that's not the way this thing works. And B, he's like, how am I supposed to execute on that? He has said the entire time, I just want to make this team better. And I think that's one of the only things you can believe him on when he says it. There's no one certain path on how to get to a rebuilt cup competitive team. There's some things you have to do and you certainly love to be lucky. But at the very least, the the role of the GM boiled down to its bare essentials is just make the team better at every given opportunity, right? Yeah, but the one thing I'm worried people will lean into that on is, okay, so the Red Wings are going to improve this summer. Well, not necessarily because he didn't give a timeline on how and when to make them better. If he trades Tyler Bertuzzi for two first-round picks and a great prospect, that made the team better. Not this year, but that made the team better. So uh, just careful with the interpretation of that when when people are 
thinking about that over the course of the summer. That, that's something called nuance, Brad. And unfortunately, we don't have room for that in today's discourse. No, I learned that Monday night, but that's a topic for later. Yeah, well, it certainly is. <laughs> um, and he did give credit to that kind of thing. Like he talked about how to improve the team. He's like, if a trade is there, yeah, but there doesn't seem to be anything out there right now. And he's like, for free agency, he's like, I got a big list of players I'd love to sign. He's like, I think they're great players and they'd be a great fit for the team, but I don't know if we can get any of them. That's a good point. You know, this isn't Florida with zero state tax. This isn't, you know, Vegas in a similar situation in, in like a, a warm climate. Yeah, those of us who 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 live in or have been to Detroit or, or know what the city is like in terms of its culture and its people and, and the history of the team, you know it's great. But this isn't a winning franchise right now. You've got to convince people to come there and you got to get them to buy in. And not every player is in that phase of their career. And shit, some players are going to say – Hey, I don't want to come over for a Steve Eisman amount of money because he's a hard negotiator with UFAs. Yeah, it's the thing with free agents. You know who Steve Eisman probably likes as a free agent this summer? Johnny Goudreau. Do you know who's probably going to get entirely too much money in term? Johnny Goudreau. So does it make sense for a rebuilding team to do that? Probably not. Yeah, it's... <laughs> if Johnny Goudreau is willing to take an uh, eight mil by four year contract, I bet you he'd be a Red Wing, but he probably won't. And you like <laughs> look at something more realistic. Vincent Trocek is someone who we talk about quite a bit. Yeah. And I think that's a very reasonable, if you're of the mind that you want the Red Wings to get much better, especially through free agency, Vincent Trocek is the kind of player that you want to target, right? Yeah, probably not getting eight years, second line center on a cup contending team. Like, sure, he's an upgrade over literally anybody who's in contention for that position right now. What kind of money is Vincent Trocek going to command on this market? Probably Steve Eisen is going to find out and it's going to be the the difference in what maybe Trocek wants and what Eisenman is going to have to offer is going to be willing to offer to keep the cap structure is going to have to be bridged by buying into a future winning team. And I think we're getting closer to that point. I, I don't think Eisenman is going to have as tough a time selling for agents as he would have, you know, in 2019 or 2020, but it's still a ways away from hey, you have an opportunity to join Tampa Bay or Florida this offseason or Vegas or whoever else. Trocek's already played for one of those teams. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's the kind of thing where you're like, okay, we are no steps further in understanding where we're at in the timeline. Actually, <laughs> Eisman asked, was asked specifically where they're at in the timeline, and he said at the end of year three and the start of year four. <laughs> and that's about as much as you get. Meanwhile, He's not wrong. Meanwhile, you have in Ottawa, essentially, uh, Pierre Dorian saying, F you, we're not spending to the cap until the fans fill the fill the arena. That was a bit taken out of context. It wasn't as blatantly aggressive as it made it sound, but it's still bad. What did he say? I actually don't know the he, context. He, they, he was asked like a question about um, spending to the cap or whatever it was. And he kind of said, tongue in cheek, we're probably not a cap team this year unless uh, we sell out all 41 home games. Ha, ha, ha. Like. It was a more lighthearted response than the text quote would make it seem. Right. But you still don't say that, Pierre. <laughs> Pierre, that's a quiet part. You're not meant to say that out loud. So, oh, Pierre. And then you have Vancouver, who came close to the playoffs after a disastrous start to the season where they hung on to their GM and their head coach, really, for too long. At least the GM should have gone in the offseason. And the coach that got him there that turned things around there there's this weird non-committal to him as a coach and i get that there's probably a big disparity in what bruce boudreau is asking for and what the canucks are willing to offer 
And like, you know how much it costs to live in Vancouver? They should pay him whatever he wants. Now, is it, this is an extension, right? Because he's under contract for this year as well, right? There's like an option. They, there's like a double opt-out kind of business. It's funky. It's a weird situation. Because yeah. even Jim Rutherford was saying on record, he's like, no, we're not giving him like an extension. Like blatant, like just no, it's not in the cards. But then he also like within the next couple sentences said, uh, yeah, we'll trade a player before we fire. We'll trade a bunch of players before we fire him. And I'm like... Talking out of both sides of your mouth there, eh, Jim? Well, there, there's a there's part of this where if Bruce doesn't like the situation he's in, I'm pretty sure he can opt out as well. And there's that deadline coming up. Interesting. And it's just, and that's what I'm talking about with Canadian teams in the soap operas. Calgary has been the most unproblematic Canadian team this year, and that's why they are where they are. And they've also been playing great hockey. Do you see Sutter's response in that press conference? God, I love those. I cannot understand what he says 90% of the time. Yeah, he does... He talks like Sutter talks. Someone asked him, they're like, because Kachuk got on that confrontation with Raffle. Well, Raffle fed it to him, actually. And uh, they said, well, did, you, did you want to see Kachuk? Like, do you not like to see that uh, that kind of confrontation or whatever it was? He's like, no, I love to see it. It's, uh, that's, that's playoffs. You need a little confrontation or something to that effect. It's the playoffs, Eric. Yeah. You need a little confrontation. And in fairness, that was a good prompt from from the reporter because you want oh, yeah. to get him talking about that oh, kind of thing pacifists are triggered i i love daryl sutter even though he talks like uh every airline pilot announcing the details to the passengers kind of looks like an airline pilot yeah <laughs> and pacifist through your face that's his stance can you imagine him trying to give like a big pump up pregame speech i'm sure he's great at it but i i feel like it's impossible like the same thing with bill belichick they are so monotone and quiet and soft stoke and, and like no bullshit. Like I just can't see their energy levels ever getting above like a one and a half. Like him, him walking in. Don't mess around. Just gives everybody a firm handshake and they yeah. go out. We practice. Just do what we do in practice. And then all the boys just stand up. <laughs> <laughs> that is like prototypical NHL hockey right there. That's what Justin was like. Anyhow, um, there were some questions and and, and Steve Eisenman gave some interesting is a word answers to what he's looking for in his next coach. And lo and behold, he doesn't have answers yet. He doesn't have someone in mind. He was pretty forthcoming in that. He doesn't even have a list. He's like, I have a few names, you know, bumping around in my mind, but I still have to compile everything. He's like, I'm going to talk to people. I know I'm going to read what people are writing about this. And he's like, I'm going to compile everyone who shit, Ryan, we got to get an article out. (laughs) I know. I already wrote one to make it Evan. Okay. Yeah. But Evan, sorry. They're going to hockey's best kept secret. They, they play on Wednesday, so you're going to have to miss a men's league. Uh, yeah, I can't commit to that job then. <laughs> I'm all about the work-social balance. Right, 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 right. Um, and he's going to have to pare that down from there. And, it, and he said, you know, he's not restricting it to anything. So he's not restricting it to guys who have just coached in the NHL. He's not restricting it to just North America because he was asked about both those things, like Europe and are you going to want someone who's NHL only. Really, the only thing that he let on was that he he says he finds it difficult to hire people that he hasn't doesn't know or he hasn't really worked with or knows the way he likes things done. And he even went old boys club. Well, then he even went so far to say is, but that's something I have to like correct for. He's like, I have to I have to move past that. That's just my inherent bias or something to that effect so and also the hockey world is huge but it's also very small like if you limit coaching options down to just people eisenman knows it's probably a still a dozen 
so it, it adds up to what we know so far. There's a million names. You just go read what Max wrote. And he even gave Max gave some more names later on uh, in a future piece as well. Uh, go read that on the athletic Detroit and you know, think of the names that are bouncing around his head. It's probably the same ones that you have. Benoit grew one of them. Probably. John Tortorella. <laughs> you got to stop with the torts meme because people are running with it. Um, and then and in terms of timeline, what to expect at one point, he said he'd love to have it done before training camp. Not long after he said he'd love to have it done before the draft. Next week. Hey, that's what I said last episode. Thanks, Steve. It's Steve Eisman's world. We're just living in it. We know what we know, which isn't much. We can safely say that we're pretty early on in the in the uh, in the conversation in terms of what's happening for a coach. I'm not saying it's going to take a long time from here on out. It's priority one for him, and you know that for a fact. He'll tune into the draft lottery to watch Detroit get boned, and then that's he'll do that. the old Jim Nell, where he's like, ah, and yeah. takes his earbuds out yeah. and leaves. <laughs> That was great. Uh, he's he. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. <laughs> Little quirks like that about like the uh, all virtual pandemic con- or the uh, stuff like that, like draft and draft lottery. It was hysterical watching them navigate that. Although I don't miss having to wait for them to navigate computers. They should still send all the mascots to the the draft lottery philly wins every draft lottery because he's simply gritty simply gritty's just like whipping his belly around yeah um other notable points from the presser eisman did uh made a point to call out jonathan bergeron when asked you know they said he they wanted him to work on specific things throughout the year and they he said they were he was really pleased with how bergeron progressed um and it sounds like bergeron has situated himself out well for um a potential spot on the team next year. Yeah, he was the rookie of the month for the last month of the AHL season. So if there's uh, one final audition going into training camp, he nailed it. And then uh, asked about, I mean, Edvinson obviously has a great chance to make the team next year. And even asked about Soderblom. He he talked about Soderblom. He talked about Johansson. He talked about Vero. Soderblom, Soderblom specifically, he's like, you know, they, there's mutual interest and they want to get the ELC done and, and presumably soon which shouldn't come as a surprise, but even with Soderblom, like the way he said it is like, they are, they know that they have a likely NHL in him, or there's a potential at least for, for someone drafted really late to, to blossom to something much more than expected, which is what we've seen from Soderblom. But he talked about like a year or two ago, he was like, usually guys that big, you're like, you're all right. You're that big, but you're not strong like that size. And you have to grow into Just it. a stick bug out there. But yeah. A lot of the complaints about Michael Rasmussen early year and even a bit now, it's like you're that big, but you're not as strong as your size suggests. He was like, Soderblom is big and like already that strong. And he was saying this in like 2019, 20 or sorry, 2020, 2021. Like this isn't uh, this isn't someone that they are surprised by, even though Soderblom really took the world by storm this past year. So I'm not saying Soderblom is going to make the team this year, but I think it just really cements a lot of the progress that we've seen from him. And then he also mentioned like Johansson and Vero have had great seasons and, and for them to be specifically called out like that is you can understand that those guys are well on the track to, to make their way over. So that, that to me all was, was notable enough at least um, in terms of what to expect with the pipeline coming through. And then, yeah, we're just going to have to see how the offseason goes. He has decisions to make regarding RFAs. He has decisions to make regarding UFAs. But I don't really know how much changeover we're going to see on the roster. 
a lot of it's going to be driven by a potential trade, potentially who makes the team out of camp, and then what happens with who we can convince to sign in Detroit, right? Yep. A lot of balls in the air this summer. Everything and nothing is on the table. Yeah. Um, all right. Some other notable points from end of season pressers. Larkin uh, is seems to be recovering well and should be back in time for training camp, which is good. So not a lot of time missed for him. Just some rest and recovery during the offseason. I'm sure that's going to be a little bit. Sounds terrible. Yeah. Well, he won't be golfing as much. Okay. It sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> your life flashed before your eyes there. Did. And Robbie Fabry is, I think, five weeks out now from surgery, but he's still no timetable on his return. It's uh, a torn ACL. Part, yeah. part of it's a surgery, part of it's the recovery, and then part of it's getting back into game shape. It is not fun. Have either of you torn one? No. Nope. I just tried to watch the McDavid documentary and almost threw up on a plane. It was, yeah, that was rough. No, thank you. And his was like a an especially good case of recovery. No, nope, don't care. <laughs> um, yeah, I injured my patella tendon like two years ago, and it's still mangled. And that's like a nothing like in your in your knee. So I couldn't imagine that one. I'm starting to feel mine on my right knee, and I'm like, oh, I feel like that's that one's gonna go eventually. Do you enjoy squatting at the gym? Yes, I would stop enjoying it because uh, your your time on that isn't limited. Then. I, f- I feel like that might what might be causing it, or at least making it a little bit worse. Well, I don't know if that's what caused it, made it worse, or whatever. But I haven't been able to in six months, so because it just kept getting. If worse I ever and go worse back to the gym, I'm never lifting heavy again. Are you ever going to go back to the gym? No, but <laughs> if I do, I'm never doing it again because everything. I've been just living in that fifteen to twenty rep range. Everything just cracks all the time now. Yeah, going yep. upstairs, my toes and my ankles and my knees just crack, and it's just. What is the purpose of me trying to just throw this weight around anymore? To prevent all that cracking and, you know, body breaking mm. down. Sounds like you're being rational. We don't like all that. I will just will not be putting up any weight. Hold on. I've got it. I've got the argument I can get through to Evan. Evan, the longer you're able to lift healthy and keep your body in good shape, the longer you can golf. So like two more years, I could physically lift heavy weight. Until my knees were like, we're done. Yeah. Yeah, until you're a tiger, essentially. Yeah. Just without the prestigious golf career. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You never know. I might, <laughs> might win a club championship one day at Whistlebear. Get yeah. the parking spot. Oh, is that what you oh, do? You get yeah, a parking spot? for the full year. It's And our parking lot is always full because we always have four weddings going at all time. Yeah. Front row, best spot for parking. Oh, it's coveted. What do you got to shoot? Like 500 to win it? Uh, at least. The one one guy who's like 60 was in it last year having beers. Get and wrecked. he shot 200. Get wrecked, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so which tour did he play on before he retired? Yeah, we got a couple of guys who are unreal. Yeah, you got to be about 500 to win. So that's uh, well outside my range. <laughs> uh, some other Red Wings updates. Lucas Raymond declined his world championship invite to Team Sweden. Um, and that one is just citing he has played the most professional hockey in a single year of his life. And I'm sure he's dealing with, you know, the minor injuries that a NHL player accumulates. Think of Evan. He sits and then he golfs and how much you have going on at any single moment in terms of injuries. And then think of a pro hockey player and how much 
worse that's got to be so i mean all the power to him for taking that time to rest and as a red wings fan that's probably a very good thing he's not even a top 60 swedish player so i would even bother right 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 he wouldn't make the team anyway um and then sebastian kosa named whl player of the month so again player or goalie I actually didn't pay attention. I saw he was something of the month. The fact that we need to clarify that now because of uh, good NCAA. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You're still on that. It's, it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And then he finds out the guy who won the Hobie was taking peds. It was just go- kidding. It was, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Sebastian Coso was named uh, WHL goaltender of the month. Hell yeah. Well, that includes uh, a playoff round. It's a good sign. Yep uh theodore niederbach has made the switch to rogla so that's cider's old team just wanted to upgrade jerseys i see yeah pretty much and will hopefully have it an increased role there and one where he can kind of take on a little bit more of an opportunity to shine and show why he was a red wings pick and and why there's hope for him to maybe come down the pipeline as a center in the future we'll see if that's still in the cards and robert master simone uh, has made the transition from Boston University to Arizona State. That's a big move. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. He wants to play in an NHL arena. <laughs> Is this his way of petitioning for a trade to the Coyotes? Like, should we be worried? Man, you could be a second line player on the Coyotes right now. Uh, Maybe even a third line on Arizona State. Man. So regarding the move itself, I actually don't really, this is one that I would love to know more about because that's a much different program to say the least. Boston is, as far as I know, a good spot to be. I'd I'd love to hear the story there, whether it was a personnel, like a coaching thing, whether it's an an ice time thing, whether it's a future role, I don't know, but, um, or there's a, there's a myriad of other issues that could come up that can make that worthwhile for, for a player to move, but it's definitely an interesting one. Can't remember if BU moved on from their coach or not. Uh, Jay Pandolfo actually just got named um, coach of Boston University, their hockey team. So he he is the replacement coming in. So uh, as time goes on, we're going to know act more about how the uh, Iser plan, so to speak, is actually going to roll out. And Tuesday, May 10th is the next step in that. So tune in with us. We're going to live stream our reactions to the Red Wings inevitably winning Jack all. I'll give you my reaction right now. Huh? Yeah. Wow. Super engaged, Evan, this podcast. Uh, the the Red Wings are have eighth best lottery odds, so you know what's going to happen there. But that's not going to stop us from live streaming the pain. So tune in with us. We're going to start the live stream around 6.30 p.m. Eastern. The draft lottery should be around 7 if the NHL is to be trusted, which has historically proven to be the, something uh, smart to do. And We already know what they're going to pick. Evans foretold this prophecy for years. They've picked sixth over and over and over and over again. So naturally now they have to pick ninth. Yeah, actually that's, that's true. That's poetic. Really moving down one spot. It's not moving down two spots. It's not all of the pain, but some pain. And then next year, the Red Wings will draft fourth. And then the next year they'll be 20th. (laughs) (laughs) I can actually see it. If we pick fourth next year, I might shoot somebody. Yeah, that's next year. If you pick fourth, that is exactly the kind of Red Wings pain because then you miss Bedard, Michkov, and Fantilli. Yeah. Oh, God. Hopefully that Strammel kid's as good as people. Oh, that's happening. A hundred percent that's happening. And then at that point, Eisenhower's going to be like, oh, screw this. And he's going to go full bore on making the team better. And then they're going to pick 20th the year after. Exactly. Yep. He's, he's going to like be so mad. He's going to like nuke the rest of the league. So someone significance getting offer sheeted out of Connor spite. mcdavid 
Back up the Brinks truck. You heard it here first. Connor McDavid, $18 million a year. Austin Matthews, come on over. Oh, please. Well, we'll get into how his team is doing in a second. But first, let's uh, talk about how this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast is proudly brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Sponsor that gives Red Wings fans what we really need right now. Even more excitement in the game now that the Red Wings season is over. There's so many reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Uh, they're simple to use with great odds on different betting markets, giving you more action every game day. They are tons of fun with unique bet types like same game parlay and exclusive promos on the biggest events. And when you win, you get your winnings back safely in as little as 24 hours. FanDuel is also letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win that bet. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you get up to $1,000 back in site credit. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with that promo and be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1 800 522 4700 in Colorado, 1 800 bets off in Iowa, 1 800 9 within in Indiana, 1 800 gambler in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia, Tennessee Redline 1 800 889 9789, 1 800 gambler.net in West Virginia, or call 1 800 in Michigan. Stanley Cup playoffs wild first set of games unpredictable first set of games and most importantly they staggered the start time so you never have to go without watching hockey on a monday uh, baby steps baby steps i go i'm happy it starts on a monday what who has anything going on a monday don't talk about your beer league you start watching at seven you end watching whenever you want to finish the west coast games finish at 11 11 30 boom I'm an hour already asleep. Yeah, you're gone. You're an old man. You were you talked about being an old age home. That's you. That's yeah. you right now. I'm I'm happy they've done it and it's just so nice in terms of a viewing experience. And as a neutral viewer, right? Like, yeah, you root for the teams you hate the most to lose. You you root for the Leafs to lose in the most creative ways possible, but it's just nice to always have have playoff hockey on. Why don't we talk a, a little bit about um how things have gone so far. Which series do we want to start with? Start at the top of your list. Colorado, Nashville. As expected. Moving on. Yeah. Um, I think, who was it? Ryan Lambert had the best uh, quote on this one uh, for his podcast. He's like, and the only show notes I wrote for this one is LOL. Moving on. What was it? Five nothing, 15 minutes in? Yeah. Uh, and Colorado, fun little troll. They left the score up on the scoreboard all night. So it was still on the scoreboard while Nashville is practicing the following morning. Imagine having like the easiest because UC Soros is out. Yeah. They are David Riddich let in. That is not who you want as your backup goalie. And they're not even starting him today. Like the third string goalies in net. I would have rather had Thomas Grice than him. Well, they called him big save Dave. I don't know when that was coming, but. Just because he made one save all game? Well, that's what they... That probably feels like an accomplishment the way that game was going on. It was short for one big save, Dave. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> you, you feel for Nashville because you almost think... I don't feel bad for anybody. Well, Why would you feel bad for them? Yeah, let's be honest. Saros wasn't saving them that game. No, I, I, I feel stupid for, for having Nashville even winning a game, honestly. That goal Kale McCarr scored where he like 
did like three crossovers to the middle and then put the brakes on at the blue line and went back where he came from and and then tucked it in was ridiculous did you see the gif of him just eating a cookie on the bench no the, the dude's a meme like he's a living meme like he does that and then he you sit him you zoom in on him on the bench he's just eating a chocolate chip cookie <laughs> better comes over good boy here he comes. <laughs> here's your treat <laughs> don't don't show nathan go eat it at the the, the other end of the bench <laughs> thanks coach dad yeah nashville's screwed it's a tough draw it's funny because you're like oh my god they would have been better off pay- playing calgary yes the- but i'm not sure how much better i'm not sure how much better either yeah you know who else thought that uh and was on record as saying that a team would be better off playing calgary daryl sutter remember that it's like who would want to play Colorado in the first round it'd be a waste of eight days <laughs> he's i love that guy man i love that man it was funny we were uh listening to a podcast on the way home from niagara falls today and and someone referenced daryl sutter and crystal Wade's like like crystal's a very casual fan outside of detroit she's like wait he's back coaching the NHL." i'm like yeah he's gonna win coach of the year oh yeah she's like really and i'm like oh yeah and it Probably shouldn't be close. A lot of people are going to eat. Like, a lot of people are very surprised, but I guess we shouldn't be. No. Uh, a man who has two cups in the last decade, still good at coaching, more at seven. Minnesota, St. Louis. I ha- I've had some people tell me that they picked St. Louis to go to the finals, and I think that's a sneaky good pick. I'm not sure it's likely. Didn't they lose like 6-2 last night? It was but, a good value bet. I think the, the odds of them winning the cup were like were over 2,000. Yeah, they were long. But, I mean, that series is tied 1-1, and the Blues took the first game. Yeah. In a shutout, right? In a shutout. By? <laughs> Billy Huso. Weird. You weren't wrong. I mean, and he's the goalie to do it, right? You come in. You were unreal all year. You're overshadowed, of course, by what Shesterkin was doing. but And nobody outside of St. Louis has any frigging clue who you are. That's a sneaky good pick. Minnesota solved it. They they won six two the game after St. Louis won four nothing. So uh, evenly matched series tied at one. I think it's going to be a fun series. A coin flip. Yeah, they're going to kill each other. You can say that about five different series right now. Yeah, but then these two teams are going to kill each other and then have to recover while playing Colorado. Yeah. So sorry, what was that about a sneaky good cup run? <laughs> You've seen Colorado bottle it before, right? Yeah, it's fair uh calgary dallas speaking about teams that are going to kill each other they tried matthew kachuk uh, matthew kachuk like if you're ever playing him if your team is ever playing him you hate him you loathe him the same way you loathe brad marchand like but you'd back up the brinks truck for both of oh, those guys god having kachuk on your team right now he's and he like sutter's not wrong he's exactly the kind of guy you want on your team for the we year. could you could we just throw the offer sheet out there and i'm sure it'd be very easy Yep, just like that. We got him. Done. Just It's just like NHL 2020 or yep. 2022. Um, that first game, like that, that's a series where I was actually surprised by how competitive Dallas was. That was a one nothing game. But if you wanted to know exactly how that series was going to play out, that game was probably like the perfect parody of itself. Oh, the team that can't score outside of one line is going to come in and play the best defensive team in the league. Um, and these two teams are both hyper aggressive so they're going to kill each other a lot of fights not a lot of goals calgary's one goal came from arguably the best line in hockey dallas only mustered like 16 or 17 shots on net like nothing was surprising that game nothing game two is tonight believe we're recording this on thursday 
uh, Thursday before the game starts. So we'll see where that one goes. Yeah, because tonight is Penguins Rangers game two, Caps Panthers game two, Preds Avalanche game two, and Stars Flames the same. Just because we dunked on Nashville so hard, you know they're winning like 4-3 tonight. 100%. Oh, yeah. uh, and then Oilers-Kings, also a series that's tied at 1-1. Talk about puckered butts after game one. Oh, <laughs> Talk about a predictable series. Oilers goaltending, inconsistent. Literally Mc- passed the game, like passed the other team to yeah. lose the game. But made a ridiculous first save yeah. on the yeah. pass to the other team. And then follows that up with a shutout. Connor McDavid, still really good at hockey. Edmonton still definitively the better team, but Edmonton still find found a way in one of those two games to shoot themselves in the foot. Like the the hockey world deserves Calgary Edmonton in the second round. I just can't see a way where sorry, I shouldn't say I can't see a way. Edmonton is gonna have to fix a lot of how they shoot themselves in the foot if they expect to get past the second round. Or even the first. Like the Kings aren't gonna be an easy beat. Counterpoint. Connor McDavid. Yeah. Counter counterpoint, Mike Smith. Yep. Ma- if, if it the logic goes at the window, if you're a fan of maximum chaos, Edmonton's your bandwagon, like for all the good and bad reasons. Yeah. I think I read somewhere that there hasn't been a battle of Alberta in the playoffs since like ni- the 90s, like early 90s, like 90, 91. 91. Oh, there we go. Think we, about deser- that. we deserve it. They've been in the same division. The whole time. We got this playoff <laughs> format because of the lack of Battle of Alberta in playoffs. Batman was like, okay, we've given it 20, 25 years. We have to change something here. Um, that's the West. And again, the game twos are happening tonight. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, over in the East, Washington and Florida, where Washington leads one nothing. I thought Washington played very, very good. Obviously, they won. So... Yeah, they did, but I thought they played a perfect road game. That's that's a game where a lot of people were going, hmm, why did I bet against them? Florida didn't really seem to get a whole lot going. I believe last episode I had uh, a rant about loser franchises. And Florida having not won a series since 96 kind of fits that bill. You don't, <laughs> If they lose this series, they are the ultimate loser franchise because they won the President's Trophy. Oh, of the season. Maybe in general. I mean, Atlanta no. got moved for less than this. No. Now don't. it's one game. We're not overreacting. I'm still very much confident Florida's winning that series. All I'm saying is if they don't, you win the President's Trophy and you haven't won a playoff round since 96. You don't want to win the President's Trophy. It's a curse. I mean, the Red Wings won a cup after winning it, so I'm not super concerned about yeah, it. I think but they're an outlier in terms of presidents trophies equals cups it's not it's not common but that's i a, that's the unpredictability of the playoffs and to be fair presidents trophies winners usually even if they don't win the cup go on a run at least like they're final four more often yeah. than they're not um but yeah no the, the caps you're right they played a good enough game where you're like i shouldn't have thought it'd be so easy so i, I think they're gonna give florida a run Tom Wilson, I don't think, is playing this game, so that's a huge loss for them. It's a massive loss. Um, that was a lower body injury. Yeah, when you play a team as deep as Florida, you need all the bodies you can get, yeah. especially Tom Wilson. Yes. Another player where you're like, you hate to play against him, but if you have an opportunity to bring him onto your team, how valuable is he? I don't think the New York Rangers would, but maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe not with Dolan. As, yeah, Ryan as Reeves are fine. Yeah. Uh the Leafs and the Lightning. <laughs> Talk about maximum chaos. <laughs> what is going? Okay, first off, the the Kyle Clifford hit was so stupid. 
Just I played hockey with Kyle Clifford. He once fought someone at summer camp. <laughs> yeah, I'd... and then we all had to bag skate because he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrendous. Now, I missed the day he did it, so I come back and the guy who runs the camp was like livid, and I was like, "What the hell is going on?" Evan just shows up and is getting bag skated because of a future NHLer. Yeah, it was brutal. So I mean. To be fair, it's a totally little character for the Leafs. When was the last time a number 43 on the Leafs got suspended in the first round of the playoffs? Someone said that. I'm like, I can't believe I didn't notice he's actually number 43. Yeah. Who is it that he hit? I don't know. Uh, Ross Colton. Yes. Yeah. Officer Ross Colton. What was going through his head? He Nothing. made one good hit right before the crowd got fired up and he got, he just felt electricity going through his body and he just stapled just officer ross colton to the boards drilled him from behind a couple feet away from the boards colton's face hit the glass first of course because it's a hit from behind and you just look at look at that and i'm like i'm not saying this as someone who wants the leafs to lose or i'm not saying this as someone who wants the leafs to win i'm saying this as someone who's watching the game like what a dumbass in the playoffs you take every hit you can if it's a borderline hit you take it and you make the refs make yeah, that it wasn't call. borderline no no <laughs> that was a mile was past the border the yeah. my god you made it all the way it was it was idiotic and it hurt his team or so I, you thought you think that like i they killed that penalty and it was all leaves from there on they I kill- think there was a stat that the Leafs actually had a higher expected goals percentage on that PK than the Lightning. I think I counted three separate two-on-ones for the Leafs. The Tampa Bay Lightning showed up with one of the most pathetic five-minute power plays I have seen in my entire life. That might be one of the worst games I've ever seen in recent memory, which for me is like a couple months. Right. And um, a lot of Red Wings games. Yeah. I've seen a playoff team put up in the yeah, first game of the playoffs. It, it they it it looked like they'd never played together. It was to the point where I was like, oh man, maybe I was wrong about how far they can make it before their legs fell off because of like three cup runs. Like that game, you're like Headman was horrible. Bad. Like the whole team was like awful. They got nothing coming together in every single power play. It's like you blink and it's gone, or even Toronto had mostly opportunities. And all the good, all the Leafs players that needed to be good were good. I was, and I was thinking this might be a very quick series. I, th- I was like, if this series goes like this, it's five games at most. And then Tampa came and, and stomped the Leafs the next game. And then the veteran team who's won two cups <laughs> in a row are not shocked by any situation they get in, and then they win. <laughs> yeah, it, which that part shouldn't come as a surprise. John Cooper has gone all the way twice. You know, Vasilevsky, Hedman, Stamkos, Point. Like, those guys have won it all twice in a row. You talk about, you know, what it takes to win and what a winning culture looks like. It's not just about how you react after you win. It's how you react when you put up a stinker like they did in game one. And Corey Perry was under the leaf skin all night. He was living in Wayne Simmons' head. And Wayne Simmons took two horrendous penalties that led to two Tampa goals. And that was literally it. All I could think that whole time was for years, on the first however many years on Kyle Dubas, every Boomer Window Leafs fan, we need grit and toughness, enough of this soft team, and then Wayne Simmons gets on like, this is this is what we've been begging for, and then he damn near single-handedly cost him a playoff game because, you know, grit, tough guy takes two bad penalties. Shocking. It's just He was completely unhinged. He That was, yeah, that was... That's the type of shit, if Wayne Simmons plays the next game, uh, you question Sheldon Keefe as a coach, because holy shit. Yeah. Well, Kyle Clifford can't 
Well, he can come in now. Well, one game Cl- suspension. To be yeah. fair, Kyle Clifford was trying to do the Leafs a favor by removing Kyle Clifford from the lineup. Right, 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 right. That so you got to reward something like that by putting him back in the lineup. Some so, people were like, "Why are we starting Clifford over Spets?" I'm like, "Oh, it's not going to matter now." Yeah, but that's a boneheaded play, but it's kind of all worked itself out. <laughs> Though the end of that first game, how many maximum allowable fines came from that? Because there was the the whole brawl where Maroon fed Riley. Riley got uh, Yan Ruda. He cut his head open. Like there was just fights everywhere. Oh, injected right in my eyeballs. Labushkin, I'm pretty sure, had the jersey over his face and punched a linesman in the mouth a couple times. Like, oops. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind – was it – I think it was Sheldon – Sheldon Kiefer, Kyle Dubas was like, I think this is going to be a borderline violent series. Borderline, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but that was about as borderline as the Kyle Clifford hit was. Well, next series I think you're about to talk about actually is violent. And there is – it's just a bar brawl out there. Carolina, Boston. Yeah. Oh, God. First, before we start, what was your thought on the uh, Svechnikov hit? Clean um, hit. Textbook. That's okay, good. Hit. All right. Yeah. Textbook. We can, we can continue to be friends. Hey, look, okay. <laughs> look. It, it, yeah. If we said that was a dirty hit, you'd hit us the same way he hit him. And look, if we're Red no, Wings fans, too many, too many of Evan's joints would crack if he tried that's that. That's true. I can't. I can, any more CTE, and we're. Uh, I might not be. Remember, I'm on this podcast. <laughs> you hardly remember now. That is true. Um, it's a CTE. You just explained, Ryan. Right. Pay attention. Oh, maybe I also have it. <laughs> If we were Red Wings fans and that was a Red Wings defender that got blown up, you'd be mad for a couple seconds. And then you'd look at it and you'd go, I'm upset that this is true, but that's a clean hit. An inch or two higher and you're talking about suspension. But it was... Brandon Carlo gave Lindholm an absolute suicide pass. And Lindholm came with his head down. The result was he came out with his head down and you just can't there. Not in the playoffs. Allmark's got to be saying something that a guy's coming. Someone shouted. You could hear in the replay like, but it wasn't enough. Not fast enough. (laughs) It was scary. Like Lindholm could, uh, he was wild. Yeah, he came around the net and there was no time. And Svechnikov's a big boy. Like when Ovechkin put him to sleep, that was crazy, but Svechnikov is a monster kid, and he went right through him. Yeah, that was. Um, Al, did you please, did you guys hear Jack Edwards calling that? No, oh, I I was, could not. It, you it, will it, not. It's like the replay was running where his feet stayed on the ice. He hit the chest, and Jack Edwards is narrating. He's like headshot left his feet. I'm like, are we watching the same replay? Yeah, he's just like. Oh. I appreciate a good Homer broadcast because you're 90% of the people who are watching are of that fan base. So I'm very okay with it. I don't even understand how Bruins fans can tolerate Jack Edwards. It's as expected. Tune out of that broadcast if you can. I especially like watching this playoffs. I just try to find between the national and whatever local broadcast, whichever one is more impartial. Like I, I have obviously it's a great series, but like I'm at the point if my only option is to watch that game with Jack Wet Edwards or not at all, I generally will pick not at all and I'll go to another game. Carolinas look good though. Carolina oh, even they, though they have no goaltending. Literally no one. They're, they're not getting bug watch every night. Every night. And it's like I can't believe that. I, I thought Boston I thought a little bit of what makes Tampa you can't bet against them, even if they're gassed and maybe the worst team on paper, if you believe that. 
I thought that same thing would apply to Boston, but like Carolina is stealing Brad's line. They're wish.com Tampa Bay. Yes. But no, the way they're playing this series, it's more like AliExpress. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we got your rankings of like three month shipping overseas uh, (laughs) merchants now. But yeah, like Carolina is dominating in like an almost historic way in terms of how they're controlling play. Yeah, I screwed up that pick. Same. That was dumb. Same, 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 same. Yeah, it's 2-0 Carolina, and it's you got to hope that Boston turn, well, if you cheer for Boston or you pick them in your bracket, that they're going to turn around at home. Although, Brad Marchand fined today five grand for uh, slashing uh, Kochikov. Yeah, whoever that might be. <laughs> hey, second round pick. Cross-checked him and then two-hand slashed the body, which Red Wings fans will know he did that to Larkin uh, not too long ago as well. And it's like, they called offsetting minors. Kotchikov gave him a hack to his knee pad, his shin pads, and Marshan delivered a two-hand slash to the goalie who is the only healthy professional goalie left for Tampa or for Carolina in the building, and that referee called offsetting minors. Remember what Oscar Sunkfist got ejected for? His slash? After review? Well, I was in the regular season. These are the good refs now, Ryan. Someone made the argument to me. They're like, right, but you know suspensions get lessened in the playoffs. I'm like, yeah, suspensions. $5,000 in the playoffs is the same as $5,000 in the regular season, you dope. Like, it doesn't matter. You got And I'm not saying, yes, yeah, suspend Marshan for him. Don't give him an offsetting penalty there. Give him the only or the extra. You can't do that. It's a mere, and Well, thankfully, they solved it now. They fined him five grand, so he won't do it again. No, definitely not. Keep him in the series. The more games he's in, the more entertaining it is for for outside viewers. Yeah, you're not wrong. That series is a bloodbath. Someone will die. (laughs) Uh, Pittsburgh, New York. So that game, I think, just ended. (laughs) Game one. I regret staying up for that so much. I don't. I love playoff hockey. It was fun as hell, but I I felt it. Um, Triple overtime. And you knew it was going to end the way it did. Shesterkin made, what was it 75 saves? Nine. Oh. I thought it was 79. Oh, you know. It was north of 70. After <laughs> yeah. that, it's 79. Yeah, you're right. 79 saves and he lost. When I said, I think New York is going to win because Shesterkin is going to goalie Pittsburgh, I didn't know I could somehow be half right. With they, they goalie Pittsburgh, that's for sure. 79 saves. Like the, the shots on goal. And that game was absurd. They, they that amount was absurd. And the main talking point, like on Twitter, immediately after the game, was, "Oh, Louis Domingue comes in and steals the game for the Penguins." I'm like, "Excuse me, you're going to talk?" No, he did do well. Oh, he was. Yeah, he didn't allow a goal in the like 17 shots he faced. Meanwhile, we're not talking about the goalie who stopped 79. I think plenty of people are now after they reviewed it and they're like, "Oh, yeah, right, wow." But uh, no, it was it was the weirdest. 30 minutes on Twitter. Louis Domingue had, he did have a lot. He, I think he had quality shots against him. Not many. Well, that's because he Pittsburgh had some. Was, he had some. Yeah, but not many. That's because Pittsburgh was the better team. Um, Or at least they, especially like in overtime, you saw the way that they were playing. You're like, yeah, it's going to end. Shesterkin can only do so much. Yeah. Okay. Let's, uh, let's talk about the overturned goal. There was an overturned goal. With like two and a half minutes left, that would have won the game for the Rangers. Oh, I thought you were kidding. No. Yeah. So, And some would argue should have counted. Is that in overtime or regular? Time? Regular third period. So with three minutes left in the game, Capo Caco drives the net with, with the tie game. And uh, 
seemingly creates the play. Oh, I did see this. Yes, I did see this. Sorry. Seemingly creates the play where uh, the the Rangers score the leading goal. It was Kako who drove that. Yeah, right? yeah, and then made that ridiculous like and he, behind he, the back pass from his stomach that now doesn't matter. Yeah, and Philip Heedle scored. And what it was ruled, it was overturned upon review for goalie interference. And one half of the argument said, well, he was pushed into the goalie. And the other half of the argument said, well, it looked like with how he was driving the net, he was going to crash into Casey DeSmith anyways. He was really deep in that crease. After review, it came back. My personal opinion, it's it's not a black and white call. I understand it's marginal. I understand it's subjective. I agree he's deep in, he's deep in that crease. I think the way he was driving, he was going to hit that goalie anyways. I, I yeah, there's a shove, but there's a shove from a defender on every time you drive the net. And my personal opinion is he took Casey DeSmith out of the play based on the action and the route that he took. And that that's just the way I interpret it. And I know Brad, you thought I love all the words you use there because that is exactly why this is a problem. My personal opinion, the way I interpreted it, just my opinion. Wow, get wrecked, Ryan. No, Holy no, it, no, I'll this is you, good. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving now. Ryan crap. I'm happy he phrased it that way because it gets to the root of why I hate this rule. I do not care which way that goal was ruled. I see the argument very plainly from both sides. Did that Penguins defenseman push Kako? He absolutely did. Did Kako make much of an attempt to get out of the way? No, he did not. What was the primary cause of contact? Kako not getting out of the way or the shove? We don't know. There's no definitive way to know. Why are we reviewing this? No, wrong. No, no this wrong. is how are you going to? Because it how comes down to subjective opinion interpretation. So what? The, just the initial call. Imagine that's the Red Wings. You'd be losing your damn mind if they didn't review that. I absolutely would. But if it's not a rule in the rule book, it is a rule in the rule book. Because if it is to the naked, it's like the same thing with the offside review, but even more confusing. If you cannot tell with the naked eye what is definitive, that's not a re- that's not a thing though. That's made up. No, but this is made up. The rule <laughs> is everything's made up. It's it's a goddamn sport. The rules are made up. But anyways, I get what people are saying, and I get why we have reviews for certain things. Now, if they rewrote the rules, like, okay, if there's contact with the goalie inside the crease 100% of the time, it's no goal, fine. Then that's very easy to review. He's in the blue. He hit the goalie. Doesn't matter how he got there. No goal. Fine. But because of the whole... Was he propelled by the defender and yada, 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 made a reasonable attempt to get out of the way, yada, yada, yada. It It's entirely like an opinion call and it's hard to review and come up with a confident answer on what is and isn't correct. I hate most reviews, but in certain things where it's very definitive, it makes sense. Did this puck cross the line or not? Of course you have to review that. Even with the offsides, as much as I hate them, it's a black and white review. Is his foot over the line? Yes, it is. Okay, he definitively broke a rule. In this instance, it's like the poster child for, did Cackle break a rule? And the answer is, maybe. It's it's the fastest game on earth. It is, and I'm not even talking about this, like, I, and I know you're going to flip this around. You're going to use this for offsides in the future. So I understand that and I concede. Please give that. me the momentum. <laughs> it is the fastest game on earth. And there are going to be certain things that are going to be impossible to 
suss out 100% yes or 100% no. You, there's going to be subjectivity involved, but I don't think that is so it is so subjective or it's such a personal opinion that you can't at least make guiding make a guiding argument based on what the rule the spirit of the rule or what the rule actually dictates and you just have to make your judgment call. That's what the referees are for. That's what Toronto's for. I I am fully on board with you that that is a Goaltender interference. What is goaltender interference? The Red Wings fans have been asking that since Thomas Holmstrom entered the league. I understand. Apparently it's being anywhere within the realm of a goalie. <laughs> and, I, and I agree with you. That that needs to be clarified a little bit better because I would also love to see the subjectivity gone. But I think this is one of those edge cases where there is no way the situation was going to shake out without subjectivity, but a bigger travesty would be to not review. I have no problem with the review. I have no problem with how long the review took. And I think the only injustice that would have been done had was if they had not reviewed that play. I fully disagree. I think you have to review that and you just have to accept that the referees give it their best try there. I don't know. Do you think it should be a goal? Do you both agree that it should be a goal? I don't care whether or not it should have or shouldn't have. That's kind of my whole argument. I think it, I think they made the right call by calling it back. My my point is I could have seen I can absolutely see the argument from both sides. But Brad is saying why why are we even reviewing that because it's so subjective? Oh, I see. It's a 50-50 play that gets reviewed. And here's the part of the review that actually bugged me. Because again, I watched that review and I went, "Yep, this is absolutely a 50-50 call." He definitely got pushed and I definitely don't think he made the effort to get out of the way. So we need conclusive a conclusive review to overturn the call on the ice. And the call on the ice was good goal. You're telling me that review is conclusive. Bullshit. No way. I think uh, okay. no. See, here's that, where that, I that, can it, understand your argument. I yeah. personally disagree, but I, I, yeah, think I see the argument for it being waved up, but the call on the ice was good goal. And nothing in that review made me say, or anybody say that is 1,000% beyond a shadow of a doubt goalie interference. For me, it was how deep he was into that that blue paint. I don't think... The no, no, yeah, again, the argument's good. Yeah. I'm using the word conclusive. Because that's the word that's always thrown around with reviews. Definitive, whatever, doesn't matter. It, nothing was definitive about that. It was a 50-50 call. And it got overturned. Evan, do you think they should be, they should have been reviewing that? Yeah, I think they should have reviewed it, but I think it was a goal. Oh, here we are. We got all, all sides of the coin here. Proving my point. I think if there's any contact from the defender to, on the player and pushes him into the goalie, doesn't matter. You fucked up. Yep. Isn't that like a... Should have had better positioning and pushed him out away from the net. Yeah, but then that, that, that burns every defenseman who's ever... Whoever be has better it. at hockey. Sometimes yeah, but, Connor McDavid's trying to go around But you. the same argument well, is now you're telling Forrest to not drive the net. No, you drive the net, but either have an escape plan so you don't run the goalie. He did. Yeah, he, he took did. the goalie with him. It was getting across the crease. He got hit. It in. <laughs> I and I'll argue till the till the sun comes up about whether or not it was a goal and I can't say Listen, I am not going to be here for that so you would win. <laughs> no, and and I I'm I agree with you. I'm like again, I'm going to repeat for the 100th time. I see fully both sides of this argument. That like I don't have a conclusive opinion on whether it should or should not have been a goal. So my default is it was a goal on the ice at 50-50 go with the ref's call. Okay, I can actually I can come to terms with that. I can come to terms with that where you say it should have been more conclusive or the rule book should be more prescriptive about what is and isn't goaltender interference. What I can't get around to is we're not reviewing that in the playoffs. But I think we landed on a spot here where the anger makes sense. And I'm fully I'm happy to disagree on whether or not it was a goal because, I, I, again, yeah. it 
both things happened. So how do you like, which one is the deciding factor? Well, let us know. Do you think it was a goal or not? And uh, if you're really angry about how this argument shook out, it's at hockey town, Evan. I'll be sure to read every word. (laughs) And remember that he can't read. So you're going to have to spell it out with some pictures for him. Um, okay, so we have that. Those are the uh, every series. That's all eight series so far. Some of them have had two games. By the time you're listening to this, uh, I think every series will have had two games. So um, the playoffs have been fun so far. We'll see how this thing progresses. Uh, for future episodes, what you're going to be seeing is our full Red Wings uh, season in review kickoff, uh, as well as more prospect profiles coming up, in addition to continuing playoff coverage. Sunday, we're going to be doing a little bit of a preview about. Um, you know, possible picks and stuff and the draft lottery and how that's going to shake out. And then depending on how the draft lottery goes, our midweek episode is either going to be very normal or very excited. There is a 12.5% chance that we'll be excited. And I mean, 87.5% chance that we won't be. I just, just don't fall. That's all I ask. Can we just pick eight? Hit that button. Like don't fall out the window or hit that button. Which button? The button. Oh, the t- oh, we're doing a tankathon. All right, I forgot about that. Right before overtime, we are going to do a tankathon, and the Red Wings from pick eight stay in pick eight. Baby. That's oh, a win. Yeah, cool. Arizona, Chicago. Yeah, I'd rather. I would honestly rather see Montreal and Detroit's division take one of the top two picks than Chicago move up and take it. I I love how like. The two teams that won this iteration of your draft lottery have both been fined significantly by the NHL in the last couple of years. Yeah, it's very nice. Very good. Okay, why don't we jump over into uh, overtime here, which we will start off with our Patreon supporters because they are the reason this show exists and why we can do things like draft lottery live streams and why we can do things like pull together those winged wheel podcast flannels for you. So patreon.com slash winged wheel podcast if you want to support the show. There are the reasons we can do uh, what we do. Uh, we are going to start off with a question here from Connor Dukes says the wings being bad for this long has really helped me learn to cheer for other teams in the playoffs. I tend to go with a fun pick and I think that's Minnesota. Who do you think is the most fun cup pick? Florida. And fun he's cup pick. Eh? And he says Colorado is not an answer. Florida, they play the most fun style of hockey in the playoffs, and they haven't won a playoff run since 96. Fun. Edmonton for maximum chaos. Edmonton is pretty fun. <clears throat> yeah, that would be fun. You'll definitely not have a dull moment. I still like Minnesota as the fun pick. Carolina looks pretty fun right now. They're not getting much of a fight. They got rid of the storm surge. Their fun days are over, Ryan. Yeah. Imagine the storm surge if they win the cup, though. Um, Svechkov just throws it through the glass at the end of the arena. <laughs> Mormon Sidevinson says, not that I want to see Zadina get moved out, but what are your thoughts about a trade centered around Zadina for Provorov? Both guys could benefit from a change of, change of scenery and the wings could re- really use some lefty help. I actually did have that thought the other day, but Detroit would probably have to add a lot. Provorov has had significant NHL seasons under his belt. Zadina has not. Philly is weird with their management, though. Sometimes they make oh, decisions where I'm like, what were you thinking? Yeah, they're bad. Um, they're really bad at their job. So this is something. Remember the old saying, uh, to be a good GM in the NHL, you have to call the bad GMs a lot. Steve Eisenman should have Philly's line on speed dial. They're like the underrated, like shockingly bad management team. 
Brad's Stepstool. I'm sorry to cut you off. I just read the name and I immediately get distracted by it. Brad's Stepstool says, hello, Dub Dubs. I'd like to hear your thought. You can be a fly on the wall in Eisman's office for one day this offseason. Which day would you choose and why? If you have to know the specific date, I guess you have to go with free agency. But if I'm allowed to pick another day, it's where I don't know the specific date on the calendar. It's whatever day Eisman is making a trade at like the mantle level. That's the obvious answer. My gut tells me draft, but I feel like we would actually wouldn't get that much fun info out of it. But that is actually when a lot of trades happen. Because free agency is whatever. It would be interesting to see who else he's targeting. Yeah, I'm going draft or free agency. Draft would be fun. Draft because there's there's trade possibilities there. You kind of have to understand that you're not going to get the moon all in one go. To be fair, at the draft, even if the trades don't happen, the trades probably will still be talked about. Uh, Keenan O'Donohue says, looking ahead at the draft, let's say Cooley Wright, uh, Nazer, and Savoy are gone. The top two D are also gone. Who would you guys take if it was between Connor Geeky, Kemmel, Lambert, or Lakara Mackey? I would lean towards Kemmel, even though a center is needed. What are your thoughts? Cheers, boys, and go Wings and Kitchener Rangers. Probably Kemmel or Lakara Mackey. I'm thinking, yeah. I agree. Both of those make a contention. I'm, I I have not a bias against geeky. I'm just not completely sold on him, but that'll be, that's a tough pass too. Right. It is. It is. Cause he's the one that if you're wrong about him, he'll make you look stupid. Yes. But if you're right about him, it'll make the team to look him who drafted him that high. look stupid. Yeah. At what point does drafting geeky become automatic for you? Like what pick even with your concerns about him? 15 to 20. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's got like, assuming no one else prominent falls, that's got to be getting to automatic territory. Cause he's still good. Okay. I feel like this, I feel like I'm going to have these Connor geeky arguments, like with everybody, like I did with Kirby doc in his year. I don't even think there's so much arguments. It's just, a, it's, it's a risk, right? You're talking. Oh yeah. You're talking about risk. And, and I think there's players who are a little bit more of a certainty, but then the positional, positional stuff gets in there uh john evans says hello gentlemen greetings from ohio lots of talk in winnipeg regarding mark shifley and i can't help but think about how the red wings could use another center if you had the chance would you try to make a move for him his press conference was weird winnipeg's yeah. winnipeg's a mess right that now. was bad mark shifley's also almost 30 so no practically dust basically dead. he i don't know that he'd want to come here i don't like no why would he he's he's his statement was basically yeah, I want to know what the path forward is with this team. Basically stating if they're going into a rebuild, he wants no part of it. That's what I took from it. Yeah. He's, um, I don't know. That, that's going to be a tough situation. How much control he's going to listen and where he goes. It, 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 Depending on who you talk to, a lot of people think he's not as good as he's made out to be. I think he's plenty good. I don't think he's a superstar. Yeah, that's probably where most people should fall. Winnipeg is going to be an interesting team to follow and see what they do and how much they clear out. Uh, and then one more here from Eric Asmus, who's a new patron. Welcome to the Dub Dub Club, Eric. And thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. Uh, it says, anyways, uh, or, you know, it says hello and, and um, thought it was time to support other than some merch, hoping to make it from South Dakota to meet up to a meetup uh, in my first Red Wings game in Detroit. Eric, it's a good time, man. Can't wait to see you there. He says, anyways, my question would be how many players from last year's roster could even make any of these playoff teams? Four, five. Watching the playoff game so far has made me realize just how far away this team is from contending. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. Um, legitimately, probably zero 
what? the bottom six. Oh, oh, oh. I was <laughs> and maybe two defensemen? What two? Cider and Heronic, maybe? Uh, Wallman, maybe? We'll say 50-50 between both of them adds up to one of them, probably. Wallman as a Wallman as a seven, Heronic has like a five six, maybe yeah. a four. Cider makes it obviously. I think you're being. Gen- I think would be generous to say both Wallman and Heronic. That's probably a weaker decor. Yeah, and then the forwards are quite obvious. Yeah, like you have Larkin Bertuzzi, uh, Raymond Verana, probably Suter pretty comfortably. Like lower down. Yeah. Um, Fabry, but he's hurt, so does that count? I think beyond them, who's the next best bets? Uh, Zadina and Valeno. It's the thing. Most teams have like one of the kind of players that the Red Wings have 10 of, like little low in their yeah. lineup. So there could be quite a few that would hypothetically, but how many all at once on the same team? Not very many. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then we, <laughs> the only right question we have is from Harsey. It says, when is Evan named the new head coach of the Wings and will he continue to be on the pod? That'd be an awful job. You would be awful or it would be an awful job? Yes. Oh, well, at least he's honest. What would be your least favorite part about coaching the wings? The the hours. I feel like those guys basically just get a, a bedroom in the arena and just sleep there. You have to be on all the time. Yeah, I'm not interested in that at all. Yeah, no, you wouldn't be a good fit. Brad and I would be calling for Evan out on the first day. Oh, probably. I would be I, too. I don't disagree with Evan. Like, I want a million jobs in hockey, and coach is not one of them. You're the as soon as you, like we said last episode, as soon as the the ink is down on the paper, your time is is has started. Yeah. All right, folks. Uh, we're gonna wrap up this episode. Appreciate you all tuning in. Um, again, stay tuned for uh, the Winged Wheel Podcast flannels. Stay tuned for the Red Wings season in review. It's going to be coming first. Part of it is going to be coming at you Sunday. Uh, happy early Mother's Day to the mothers out there and uh, appreciate you all. So we'd like to thank all of our listeners, uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook for supporting the show, the uh, shout out to the Jamie Daniels Foundation, and thank you all for coming together to support them. And we'd like to thank our name level sponsors on Patreon. Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, the Stay Fresh Cheese Bag, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver for the number 69, Crying Ryan Hannah's Banana Slime Jamathong, Matthew M. Rice, Billy Howell, Brandon M., Carl Bertana Nanaluski, Chimmy, Citizen High Five, Coyote Season Tickets in Tempe, Craig Kibble, Daniel Garcia, Derek Enstem, DJ Denton, Give Blood Fight Probert, Han Ali, Hassam Al Qasem, I'd Leave My Wife for Cider, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Marcus, Matt McKay, Nicholas Fritz, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Sean Levine, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Sean Levine, brand new name, brand new name level sponsor. Welcome. Stay Fresh Greech Bags, the master and champion of the Winged Wheel podcast, the freshest of cheese bags, the legend himself, Joseph F. And Fournier, Vibe Burr Raider, Zach Spring, Sam Bankson, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Adam Now I Finish Better Than Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landeskog, Ben Barron, Connor Leighton, Dave W., Evans Parking Garage, Evans Bingo Card, uh, James Laporte, Jeremiah Dobo, Jeremy Brocker, J.M. Rhapsody, John Evans, sorry I forgot to change my name back, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Matt S., Missing Vladdy More Than Ever, Papa Woody, Puck Norris, Revy DeLuca, 
Roses by Outcast is a good song. Salty and Delicious, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Trevor Pevivar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Thank you all so much. We'll see you Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.